Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome, friends. I am so excited about talking about fertilizing today because I think fertilizing gets a really bad, just a bad reputation. You know, I think when we think about fertilizing, we think about runoff, we think about all these things that aren't good for the environment. But the truth is, is that if you utilize fertilizing the right way and in a more natural way, you are going to have a very abundant, happy, healthy garden that can ward off pests, do a lot of things. uh, And you don't have to affect the environment in a bad way. We're going to talk about all of it today. I'm going to do it kind of high level. I'm also going to apologize. I have been like fighting the worst cold I'm not talking about COVID. (laughs) So it is just a cold that has decided I am a wonderful person to hang out with. (laughs) So, but I have more energy today than I've had in a week. So wish me luck in conquering this thing, but I'm getting there little by little, doing a lot of resting, even though it is the busiest time of year as a gardener, I'm doing my best. So if I sound a little off, that's why I am today, but here I am. So, (laughs) but fertilizing is something that is super important because this is the time of year either you've wanted to have, you can do fertilizing, I guess, really any point in the year when you're doing growing, there's different points depending on what we're talking about. You know, um, if you're talking about trees, fruit things, all of that, you're going to do it in the spring and the fall. Uh, if you're growing vegetables, there's going to be points throughout the season that you're going to want to do this. You know, you're going to want to prep your beds and fertilize then. And then you can do what we call foliar feeds throughout the season. Like, you know, the span of the growing season of that plant, maybe you want to do it or those beds, maybe you want to do it a couple times. But for the most part, it's really about 
using the right thing. So, but there's also some things that you may not even understand about fertilizer (laughs) that you, maybe you think of the chemical fertilizers. And obviously those are the things that are going to be potentially harmful to the environment, but we also have to understand what some of the organic fertilizers are as well so that we can make smart decisions for ourselves as just environmentalists, as people who care about how animals are cared for. Yes, it involves animals. And if particularly if you are somebody who is eating specific ways such as vegan or plant-based for the betterment of the environment or for animal cruelty issues, any of that, you're going to want to listen to this because you may be using products that are contributing to some of that or supporting the byproducts of those uh, situations. So we're going to talk about all of that. This is stuff that I have been researching and learning over the past few years. And I have learned a lot from farmers who know this on a deep level uh, because their work like revolves around it. You know, their garden or their farms have to succeed in order for them to pay their mortgage. So it they're wonderful people to learn from. I highly suggest talking to your local farmer that you trust about how they utilize fertilizers and things like that. Because not just so you understand, not to be critical of them, but instead to learn from them. Because many times they care about their soil so deeply because it's their livelihood that they're taking care of it on the next level. So they usually have some really great tips. Uh, and it's always surprising to me how much I learn just from having a few chats at the farmer's market or even just, you know, around town. So <laughs> I can learn a lot, but the, the thing that I I'm, I wanted to really like take fertilizing and make it really simple for you guys, because it can be really complicated. And most of the things that some people talk about on high levels, we don't need to really utilize in a home garden. So most of us, if we're adding compost and great organic matter, for the most part, our soil and our gardens are probably pretty healthy. So we don't have to worry about that. But anytime we grow vegetables, we have to help rebuild that organic matter that's in the soil through compost. And then we also need to think about what kind of nutrients we've taken out of the soil. Because when we overutilize the soil, over fertilize it, over, you know, put in synthetic things and chemicals to remove weeds and do all of that. We degrade the soil in the microbiome of the soil so much that it can be detrimental. So it's really important to understand these things, but I don't want you guys to get too caught up in it either because it can be something that can be, you know, you can spend a lot of money and time on when you really don't need to. At the end, I give what I would suggest as a really good general fertilizer for most home gardens and what I actually use. But um, we're just going to go through it, but I'm going to break it down really simple. I went really deep with our online community with this. We did an hour long talk about this and I answer questions. And if that is something you want, you can still get the replay. If you join now as a member, you can just join. It's as little as $13 a month and you get access to all the past events, all the resources, all the information. Plus you get to hang out with some really cool people and ask them questions as you are learning and growing in your own garden, along with getting 
all sorts of other benefits that, you know, I could go on and on about, and you've probably heard them before. So you can find the link in the show notes if you're interested, but you can go even deeper there, but I'm going to go through it kind of quickly, kind of high level, and then we'll just go from there. So basically when we're talking about nutrients, a lot of people think that they need to do soil testing and I'm going to say you don't need to. Okay. I've never done soil testing. I literally don't know what my soil is. Soil testing is great uh, if you want to know for any reason, but if you have multiple raised beds, things like that, it's really hard because you're going to have to like test in every single raised bed. And then how do you know which raised beds, which, and like the really good thing is to follow along with a lot of these in this information. And personally, I just watch my plants. If they're not growing, they're not thriving. It's either water or nutrients. It's down to that. Uh, because there's plenty of sun for me. Uh, that's not the problem here on our land. The problem is watering and keeping water retention and enough organic matter in the soil to re- to suppress weeds and then the nutrients. Uh, typically, our nutrients that we're lacking in are phosphorus and potassium and less of the uh, calcium, nitrogen, things like that. So, but we're going to get into that. I'm going to simplify those so you understand exactly what those things mean. So a key thing to understand is that when we're talking about nutrients, there's a couple of things. There's there are the smaller nutrients that are going to be like calcium and all these other things, which are super important. But in almost every case, really healthy, great compost is the best way to add in all those micronutrients. So you don't have to always worry about micronutrients as much. What we need to really worry about if we're going to worry about nutrients and fertilizing is we need to talk about the high level, higher macro, I guess, nutrients you could call them. And those are going to be the ones that are indicated on fertilizers, fertilizer um, bags and things like that. It's going to be nitrogen, which is the N, phosphorus, which is the P, and the potassium, which is the K. So NPK is what you're looking for. And those are going to be indicated on a bottle of fertilizer or a container of fertilizer. And it's say like two, three, one. And what that refers to are the percentages of that, those nutrient, that specific nutrient, like two, three, one, it would be 2% nitrogen, 3% phosphorus, 1% potassium, basically. So that is how much is in there. You'll see on synthetic fertilizers that those numbers are going to be higher. Higher isn't better. What we want is slow releasing, which is more of what organic fertilizers are doing is they're utilizing a slow release so that the soil can intake it and the plants can intake it over time. Where if we have higher numbers of those things, we can burn our plants. It's a more like rapid release. So those things can't be as ingested in the soil and taken in the way it should be. And then we have runoff. So that's what we don't want. So lower those low even numbers is what I'm looking for. Something around 432 is really great. Um, 463. Um, I really wouldn't get anything that's higher than eight on a percentage because it just is probably too high for a home gardener to, um, and what you would need. Uh, that's kind of been my experience. So those are some of my suggestions. So basically what we want to be thinking about with these nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium 
is what do they actually indicate? So each one of them does something specific in the garden and understanding what those things are and then some examples of some of those things that actually do that in the garden are really helpful. So let's start with nitrogen. Nitrogen specifically it contributes to leaf growth, overall like vitality of the plant. So a lot of like the greenness, for instance, like when a thunderstorm happens, you're going to have, you know, lightning hit and that lightning adds nitrogen into the soil, which makes everything greener. So if you've ever noticed after a thunderstorm, everything looks green, but, and that's why is that nitrogen that's being ingested in like injected into the soil basically from nature. Some of the things that we can add though, like if you have nitrogen issues, so if you're seeing a lack of vigor in your plants, a lack of, you know, your lettuces are lagging, the green color isn't that good, then you're lacking nitrogen. So you're going to be wanting to add things like bone meal, which is a byproduct from, um, slaughterhouses. And (laughs) yes, I know. And they, you know, grind up the bones and bake them and turn them into bone meal, but it has a lot of nitrogen. Now you can make your own bone meal at home. If you make bone broth, you can make your own bone meal. So you can also do this if you're, um, sourcing animals from a great farm that is regenerative, that treats their animals well, and is contributing to the greater ecosystem in a healthy way with their animals, this would be a really great option for you to then have a byproduct from, you know, instead of those bones going in the trash, they end up going into your garden, which adds nitrogen. So it's something you think about. Another thing is alfalfa meal, which can be hard to find organic, but it is possible. The, um, so it can have a lot of chemicals on it potentially if you're not careful about finding the organic uh, specific variety. But these are just the pellets that you get at a farm store. So for goats or horses or anything like that, and then you just soak them and it turns into a meal and you can just scra- scratch it into the top of your soil and it's good to go. Feather meal, once again, it's a byproduct from chickens. So you're going to it's coming off the feathers from a slaughterhouse of chickens. Uh, this one's a little bit harder if you process your own chickens. Obviously, you can utilize those feathers if you or you know you hunt or anything like that. Then maybe that's an option for you. That'd be a more uh, kinder way to go about accessing that. Cottonseed meal is just from a plant. Once again, you want to look for it to be organic, which can be hard because there isn't a ton of organic cotton. It's getting better, but not as great. Horse manure is another one and chicken manure also, which are wonderful things. We don't have nitrogen problems in our garden because of our chickens. So they add a ton of nitrogen. So if anything, it can be a problem, (laughs) but make sure it's well composted if you use it. And there's different cure times and you want it cured because it could be too hot and burn your plants if you apply it right away. Compost tea is another one and fish fertilizer. So fish fertilizer is once again, it can be a byproduct, but the, um, the, the means of how it gets to you is a little bit less intense as we'll just say bone or feather meal would be. Fish fertilizer is a little bit less of that. And, um, if you, are worried about those things. So phosphorus is the next thing. So this is going to encourage fruit development, root development, flowering, stem structure. So if you're having any issues and your stems aren't really healthy, your um, 
fruit is struggling to develop, this is going to be something you're going to want to think about adding in specifically. So one thing I will say is that fruit development doesn't mean uh, blossom end rot. Blossom end rot is a product of lack of calcium. And that lack could just be you got an intense amount of rain and calcium isn't able to transfer up into the plant, uh, into a tomato, specifically tomotillo, any of those plants that are fruiting. The And instead, it may be a water issue. So because calcium is really heavy, the less you need less water. And surprisingly, tomatoes don't need as much water as we actually think they do. So uh, you don't, you may want to lower the amount of water you're having if you do have something like blossom and rot. That's another conversation, obviously, but it is not, you don't get that mixed up with a lack of phosphorus. If you are seeing flowers form or not, no flowers forming, then you definitely have a flower or a phosphorus issue. And so you're going to want to think about adding in rich compost and manure of any kind. Um, I really love suggesting hooved animals such as goats, llamas, alpacas, anything like that uh, are going to be really great in terms of adding in that really healthy compost, compost manure into your garden. So horses are also wonderful bone meal once again, and fish meal, which is the bi- more byproduct as well. Rock phosphate and granite dust, those are rock ones. And there are some like deeper environmental issues maybe there, but I I haven't dug too deep into the process in which they're um, offered. We don't have phosphorus issues uh, because I, I use a lot of fish and seaweed. And so those things don't seem to be an issue because of that regular feeding. But we'll talk about that at the end and why I use those things. But I I haven't dug into these more specific ones with rock and granite. Uh, But for the most part, we also add in the compost manure as well from our chickens. And then we get some from our friends that have alpacas. And it, it works incredibly well. So and then last we have we have potassium, which potassium is general immune health of plants. So if you're having plants that are really struggling with um, pests and things like that, or you're having a lot of diseases or things like that, for instance, or you know that there's potential for that, potassium is a great way to counter that. So think of it like your immune health. So I think about it like I take reishi mushrooms specifically for immune health. Some people take elderberries, you know, think about it like us taking something like that. So, or vitamin C or vitamin K, vitamin D, all these things that add in, um, that support our immune systems. That is what potassium is for plants. So specifically this, the one of the best ones that I highly suggest is seaweed. It is very you know, seaweed farms are incredibly environmentally friendly. They do carbon capture. There's a lot of benefits to seaweed in terms of a fertilizer, but also as a, you know, offering to us in growing things and living on this planet. So, um, but then you can also use wood ash. So if you had a bonfire, I wouldn't add a ton of it. You don't need a ton of it, just a little bit scratch in the soil usually does pretty well. And then lastly, green sand, which I don't know specifically what that is, but I've seen it in a lot of products and um, it seems 
to be once again, another like product from, uh, you know, rocks and things like that, obviously. So those are the three main nutrients that you need to focus on when you're thinking about fertilizing. And I, I want to, to talk about some of that because I think breaking it down where it's like nitrogen is all about green, you know, like how green is my plant? How leafy is it? You know, if your lettuce looks really sad and is slow to grow, you are lacking nitrogen. And I like to utilize my plants to tell me what is the issues. And so when we understand, okay, nitrogen is about leaf growth and being green, phosphorus about fruit development, root development, flowering, stem structure. Obviously, if you have, are you growing flowers specifically? Nitrogen and phosphorus are really important in your soil. And then lastly, you know, thinking about potassium. And then you want to make sure you have strong soil structure. And that comes from your compost and adding all that back in there. So year after year of regularly thinking about these things can make a big difference. So that's why I think breaking it down this way is really helpful. So I say, skip the soil test, though it can be fun if you're really sciencey. And instead, watch your plants. They're going to tell you what they need. And sometimes it's water. Sometimes, you know, if just, it's always good to add some potassium because you, it's always good to help your plants have a leg up over diseases and pests and those common stressors. So the times that I like to feed are right after, like that first week after I've planted everything. I like to give them, I don't actually do any fertilizing right in the spring. I, I layer compost and then I will basically just scratch that in, even everything out. I lay our compost in the chicken's bedding in the fall. And so that adds a high amount of nitrogen and everything into the soil. And then, and that sits all winter. And then we lay fresh compost over the top, start our beds, all of that. And then once the plants are all in, everything's kind of going. I do a spray liquid feed with, um, what I like to use specifically is Neptune's organic fish and seaweed um, fertilizer. And so it, it is a, the numbers on it are a two, so 2% nitrogen, 3% phosphorus, 1% potassium. And I find this a, like a very good general fertilizer for a garden. And like I said, I like to do it after they've been planted in that first week. And then once everything's usually about the first week of July, I'll do another feed and that's usually good. And I like to, I like to do that last one because I spray it overhead and it goes through the leaves on the plants. And usually the plants are producing fruit at that point or they're about to, and there's a lot of energy coming out and they've gone through a lot of energy. And so it kind of gives them like another like boost. So I highly suggest that you're going to have really beautiful, healthy plants just by doing that. And you don't need a lot. The fertilizer is a liquid fertilizer. It smells terrible, but it is like fish and seaweed. So that's why it stinks. But I got like an attachment for my hose and I add the, I use the, um, dilution that's on the, that's suggested on the back of the bottle. And I don't freak out about get this stuff getting on my hands because it is, it's literally fish and seaweed. So there's nothing in it that's chemically 
concerning or anything like that. Or, and I like liquid fertilizers because you can't breathe them in. Like some of them can have dusts and things like that in them that can be agitating to your lungs. So, and to animals or, you know, we have kids around so, and chickens, so I don't want to agitate them. So what I typically do is a liquid and it, it doesn't fly through the air. It stays right on the plants and it doesn't harm anything. So it's just nature at work helping. But one really great other option is a compost tea or worm casting tea, a mushroom compost, which you can make a tea out of as well. All of those are really, really awesome. And they're very environmentally friendly and you're not supporting slaughterhouses. So any of those byproducts, if you're somebody who's avoiding, uh, like myself, like I don't, we don't eat mass produced meat products. Um, we love, like there's maybe like one or two things that we do, but out of, because our son will request something or, you know, occasionally, but for the most part, all of our meat that we eat is coming from local farms. And because I know that they're raising them right, they're, you know, not, they're doing, using it in a regenerative model, uh, things like that. So it has a positive impact on the environment, not a negative impact. And the animals are being treated well, which is really important to us. So all of that together, <laughs> I don't like to utilize things like bone meal and feather meal and other byproducts. The fish one is a little on the edge and, you know, but I, I feel like the benefit of it is really great because uh, of what we're doing collectively and we don't use much of it. It's a very small amount that we're purchasing. And, um, I find that it's just really easy to use too. And so I think to me, that's a really great option. But if you're trying to skip some of these things, I have a list and I'm just going to go through it really quick. Like if you need things like specifically for nitrogen and you don't want to be contributing to, you know, the slaughterhouses and things like that, you can utilize alfalfa pellets, cottonseed meal, chicken manure, horse manure, make sure they're cured really well. Um, and then phosphorus, you're going to want to get rock phosphate, Mushroom compost, worm castings are really great for phosphorus. And potassium, you're going to want to think about seaweed or kelp, wood ash, green sand, and sawdust. All those things are ways to avoid contributing to supporting those things while also receiving the right nutrients into your soil. So just read labels really closely if this matters to you. Um, I just call that list like the feeding without animal byproducts list. <laughs> Obviously the manure is a byproduct, but it's not because they're, they're alive. <laughs> That's what creates that. Um, but you get it. So anyways, I hope that this is super helpful. I don't till and I, and I'm just going to close this out by saying like, I don't till any of these things in these things go into the soil over the top, either from like the best ways that I have found it is scratching it in with like, for instance, when we put in the chicken manure and the bedding from the year before, um, we scratch that in we with a rake and just going back and forth, scratching it in. We don't till it in. You can also use a broad fork and crack the soil too, just slightly, and then rake it out. And that's fine too. That aerates the soil, it gets oxygen in there. You just don't want to break the crust completely. And then 
you can water in the nutrients. And then thyme is also a great way to in, put those in. So if you put them in in the fall, let them sit all winter, they are still going to be there when spring comes around. And then lastly, you can spray them in using um, like a foliar spray feeder, which is that attachment to your hose that, you know, I think some people look at it and they're like, oh my gosh, they're spraying chemicals. They're not spraying. And like, I don't use it to spray chemicals. You can, uh, we don't. And it's just that fish and seaweed going in there. So that's the only thing. But I feel so good about this sort of fertilizing because, you know, we have kids. We have, I don't want to be fertilizing and using chemicals in our land and we never will. And so I am always looking for what is the best way to do it. And so this is how we do it. And it's very simple. You can utilize these same things on yards, um, not just gardens. You know, grass just needs a lot of nitrogen. Thankfully, clover adds nitrogen naturally. Uh, so that's why I suggest growing clover with it. So you can utilize that same list to help feed your like lawn spaces, um, flower beds, anything like that. That's not, this isn't just a vegetable garden. So there's lots of options here. So I hope this is super helpful for you guys. If you have questions, you can always message me. Remember that you can get the longer, more in-depth information through the online community. Uh, so there's information down in the show notes for you to join. And it's as little as $13 a month. So it's really easy to join. And there's a lot of fun things that we're talking about all the time right now. So thanks for tuning in today. And I hope this is super helpful as you get your garden going. Until then, my friends, I'll see you out there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.